most intimidating fast bowlers. And a cricket journo, not afraid to take the strike. Oh, how about it? This is the fast and the curious. Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner, your home for all forms of summer's game. Welcome back to the Fast and the Curious podcast. I'm Bonnie Rayner, the curious in our title. While former Australian fast bowler Mitchell Johnson, well, he's actually taking the pace off this week. He's got a well-deserved rest over the Christmas break, so we've given him a bit of a spell and we have brought in a double dose of the curious this week. My colleague, fellow cricket writer Jordan McArdle joining us. Jordan, congratulations on your podcast debut. Thank you. I'm not sure I can uh, can live up to Mitchell Johnson's standards. I'm probably bo- I probably bowl about 70 k's an hour, so probably the slow and the curious this week. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. A very good juxtaposition. Now we're brought to you by Tab Touch. Make the most of summer. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. Jordan, what an incredible turnaround for India. Going from being skittled for 36 in Adelaide, Aussie fans started chanting confident claims of four nil. They had to make four changes, and it was all oh, this instability isn't going to work out for them, turning around from an eight-wicket loss to now an eight-wicket statement win at the MCG. What a turnaround. Yeah, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? I, uh, I was one of the one of the people saying that probably would be a, a whitewash when you when you lose that badly, get rolled yep. for, for 36 and, and lose the best player in the world in, in Virat Kohli. It doesn't really... Yeah, it's not ideal. There's not not a great deal of hope, but yeah, the the four changes they made were were all, all outstanding. They all they all get a big tick from me, especially the two debutants. I thought they were they were outstanding. You you got Siraj. He, he took five wickets for the match. He, he got that key breakthrough of Cam Green in in the second innings. And and Gil, what an exciting talent he is. He some of the strokes he played in that in that second innings just to. Uh, yeah, settle the nerves, I guess, after a, a shaky start with, with the bat there. They lost a couple of early wickets, but, yeah, he, he batted really well there and alongside his captain in Rahane, who, uh, who was a worthy player of the match. Yeah, and the other two changes they made, the only two you haven't um, touched on, I thought they were equally as impressive as the debutants. Rishabh Pant in for Ritterman Saha, 29 and four catches. He did put down a couple, but when he scored that 29, it came at a time where, obviously, India only chasing 195 from the first innings. A Jinko Rahane looked a little bit uncomfortable. The pressure was starting to mount and Punt just came out, hit a runnable 24, run started flowing and it totally took the pressure off Rahane and I felt that after that cameo, Rahane looked a totally different player and it enabled him to go on and score that match winning century. And then Jadeja coming in for Coley, three wickets for the match and a really crucial half century that um, provided a six wicket partnership of 121 with Rahane and that effectively ended up being the first innings lead so you could form an argument that was a key differential in the game. That, yeah, that was the difference in the end there. Jadeja, he's just an outstanding all-round cricketer, isn't he? He just does it all. He bats, bowls and a gun fielder <laughs> as well. And then he does the sword celebration after <laughs> barbecuing his captain I and know, running I him out. I thought that was a little bit over <laughs> the top. but the grade um, cricketer areas, wasn't it? <laughs> for a half century as well. There we go. He uh, does always pull out the sword for the half century. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. And one thing you haven't mentioned about Pan, I love his chat behind the stumps. He's, yes, uh, he's yeah. one of the best in the business at that. I, I love the banter between him and him and Tim Payne and also him and him. Matthew Wade as well. The so. Matthew Wade one was fantastic when he said, what are you, 25, 30 kilos overweight? He said to Richard Punt. Yeah, I had to double take with that one. I thought, uh, 
I thought I heard what I heard live, and then sure enough, it, it was. So it was, yeah, a bit of a, a left field sledge there from from Matty Wade, who's also one of the best in the business at, at chat. It's almost like these Tasmanian wicket keepers can uh, produce some good banter. <laughs> Maybe they've been having some team meetings about what they can say to Pant because they've yeah certainly finding a way to get back in his head, which is really good. But uh, another thing that impressed me is when you make four changes that can seem a bit of a knee jerk reaction. A few people said, "Is that a um, them acknowledging that perhaps they got a few." selection calls incorrect for the first test, but you're changing 35% of your lineup. And if anything, I felt they looked more comfortable, more stable, despite all of those changes. So that's a really strong sign, a really good show of character from them. Perhaps that's something the Aussies might draw a bit of strength from, given that they might have a few changes themselves coming up for the third test at the SCG. I think so, yeah. You'd expect Joe Burns to be gone, unfortunately. He's just a walking wicket at the moment. And yeah, yeah it's, it's horrible to watch, really, isn't it? He just looks shot on confidence and um, just almost not doesn't want to be out there, but just feels like, uh, you know, the end's knife for him. So uh, it's a, it's an interesting position for him as well, isn't it? He he can't go back to Sheffield Shield and, and find form. Um, he might slot into the Brisbane Heat's Big Bash side maybe, and, you know, that might be just what he needs, just to, to free the arms and, you know... Ashton play. Turner style. Yeah, kind of. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just play with a bit of freedom and... Uh, a, with no pressure on now, the whole world's not watching him. Uh, yeah, he, he struggles, so um, he'll he'll be out of the side. And let's hope David Warner is the inclusion. He looked pretty good in the nets during the week and was moving freely as well. He's still got till January seven, so plenty of time there to uh, to test out the groin. But what what an inclusion he'll be. Yeah, and could you make a double opening change because Will Pukowski? obviously pushing to make his long-awaited test debut. He has been given medical clearance and his state coach Chris Rogers was on record this morning saying that he's fit and ready and facing balls and keen to play. If he's fit and ready, why not? He's he's nearly the form batsman in, in the country. Before he only he's... averages 250 opening the batting for Victoria, <laughs> so maybe he just needs to get bumped that average up a little bit before he'll... No, I think you, you'd... Think he's a lock. Well, every every debutant this series has has done their job from both teams. So yeah, why not add a bit of a uh, bit of excitement in that top order? He probably rivals Cam Green in that uh, in that excitement that the the whole country's been waiting for his debut and that sort of thing. And Cam Green certainly hasn't let anyone down at the at the moment. So that's exciting for Cam Green's doing well. Will Pukowski, bright future ahead, but uh, that's twelve into eleven spots if we add in Warner and Pukowski. Matthew Wade, presumably with his 40, really gritty 40 in the first innings, doing enough um, and a 30 as well um, to, you'd think, hold his spot. Um, I, I think so, yeah. down to number six. Especially in a position that, you know, he's he's put his hand up and done the team thing and, mm. you know. Scored f- those runs out of his regular position. Definitely, yeah. And he's a real fighter as well. I, I like Travis Head, but... I feel like he throws his wicket away too much. He gets those classy-looking 20s and 30s and then just plays one too many rash shots. So, Bit of a tease, like, isn't he? Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. But yeah. with Wade's scores, sorry, the first inning score was 30, the second inning score was 40. Travis Head uh, in the most recent test, 38 and 17. So it's not that he's terribly out of form. He's, he's not in Joe Burns' areas, with all due respect. But if you're looking at them as a direct comparison, I think you'd probably go with Matthew Wade over Travis Head. 
Absolutely, yeah. Just in terms of converting and stuff as well, I think mm. Travis Head makes too many twenties and thirties without getting those, yeah. you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, and even hundreds as well. I don't think he's got a great conversion rate at this stage. Yeah. And India's four changes, as we mentioned, were all a huge tick, and they might be forced into one or two more. We know Umesh Yadav has um, injured his calf, so he has been ruled out, and they might consider dropping Mayank Agarwal, returns of 17, 9, naught and 5 so far. And you've got Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul waiting in the wings. Yeah, they've got some handy players in their squad. One that isn't actually in their squad, he's over here as a net bowler, Natarajan. I, I really rate him. I liked what he produced in the, the T20s and ODIs against Australia earlier in the summer. He, he stuck around as a net ball, bowler, so... Um, doing the real team first thing, considering he's got a, uh, a newborn child that he hasn't even seen yet because it was born, born during the IPL. The and yeah, Sunrise so, is about over in Dubai. Yeah, absolutely. So he's uh, he's doing everything he can and, you know, putting putting the team first there. And, yeah, I think he'd be a good inclusion there, a handy left armour and bowls at good speed. So it'll be interesting to see who comes in for Umesh Yadav and if Mayank Agarwal survives the selection meeting. But Australia themselves, well, they also have a couple of decisions to make, as we just mentioned before. So who better to bring in to discuss that than an Australian selector and also the head coach, Justin Langer. Justin, thank you for joining us. Hello, Bonnie. Merry Christmas and... Um I wish I was talking with a more a bigger smile on my face, but after second test, it's a lot more fun winning than losing, I can promise you. <laughs> yeah, I wish we got the chance to chat to you after Adelaide. I'm sure you wouldn't have been able to wipe the smile off your face after skittling India for 36. Well, it was an amazing performance, yeah. I mean, I, it was interesting because at the morning of day three, I, I said to our players, make no mistake, this is – a really, this is proper test cricket. I mean, the first today was was a real arm wrestle. We've seen it for a lot of this series so far. But and then for us to bowl India out for thirty six was un- I was still pinching myself. I couldn't believe it happened. But um, it was unfortunately we weren't up, weren't able to play as good a cricket in this second test match. Now, before we get to the Boxing Day test, do you think that that day of test cricket in Adelaide is up there with your very best as a coach? Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you it's, it's how do you compare? I mean, honestly, we had a great day, and ironically, in the third test in England last year, when we bowled out, um, we bowled England out for I think about sixty odd, yeah, and it was unbelievable. It was so exciting because that was at the point where we thought we we're going to retain the Ashes then, and then of course Ben Stokes came and played that incredible innings in the second innings. So it's it's one thing I love about the game of cricket is you just Mother Cricket has a way of keeping you grounded all the time. You have great days, you've got to be careful not to get complacent. If you have poor days, you've got to be careful not to get too flat because you can always fight back. So it's one of the great things about test cricket, but cricket in general. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Certainly the highs and lows you've experienced both to the extreme in the past week alone. Looking at the Boxing Day test, do you feel it was your first innings score that let you down more or the dropped catches that cost you? Yeah, I think we were sloppy throughout, if I'm completely honest. We were sloppy with our decision-making when we batted first, um, and then we were sloppy in the field. Our bowling's magnificent. Our bowling keeps India under pressure for and creates lots of chances. So we're a bit sloppy with our fielding. But also, in the second innings, on a really, really good um, MCG wicket, 
we were sloppy there as well because we we only scored 200 and that was with our tail wagging a bit so um all up it was a you know i know i've used that word a few times but not just the first innings not just the drop catch i think just generally we were a bit sloppy even the fact that we we were we had were two overs down um at the end of the match tells me that we just weren't on for this test match we're certainly looking at that and we'll make sure we're in a better place um for the third test in sydney yeah, absolutely. Now, throughout the partnership, this is not something you'll, <laughs> as humble as you are, you won't like to look back to this, but throughout the partnership with Cameron Green and Pat Cummins, at one stage, they were six for 126. Do you know where this is going? It's pretty close to five for 126. Right. Quite a no, famous partnership me. between yourself and Adam Gilchrist uh. at Bell <laughs> Five for 126 when you came together with a man playing just his second test match Mm. in 1999 and you put on 238 runs against a Pakistan attack that boasted Wazim Akram and Waka Yunus and you were in dire trouble. You yourself were under real pressure after a bit of a lean run um, with your spot in the side. Gillian just his second test, 127 runs for you, 149 not for Gilly and a test win which sparked a series win. Were you hoping Cam Green and Pat Cummins could repeat yours and Gilly's heroics from that match? Well, it's, it's funny you say that because you asked before about what was the day three of Adelaide, my favourite moment as a coach. Certainly that innings was my favourite moment as a player. And if you come into my living room now, or my games room, sorry, there's a bat there and that's the famous bat because it's got the clicky bat handle because on 74, <laughs> I it clicked, didn't it? that went my way. Yeah, that was a clicky <laughs> bat handle. But on top of that, and I, I've written, this is the bat with the clicky bat handle with a smiley face. But then I also at the top of that wrote, you, you just never know. And that's what Gilly and I kept saying to ourselves throughout that whole part. You just never know, mate. You just never know. Just hang in there. You just never know. <laughs> and I said that to the boys on um, the morning of that game. You just never know. Test cricket's got an amazing way about it. You just never know. And it's something that's certainly a constant theme through my philosophy as a coach um, in Test cricket. You just never know. And I certainly experienced that with Gilly that day at Bell Reeve Oval. Mm, yeah, really special, I'm sure, as well, to have your dad, Colin, in the in the stands there watching. And I think later in your um, book you did write that maybe it wasn't such a clicky bat handle, but I'm sure that's what the smiley face was there for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a great sporty that I tell, but um, I'll <laughs> leave that for another day. <laughs> exactly. Now, so you mentioned that you do say to the boys, you never know. Is that a situation that you would reflect back on to try to inspire the boys or not really because you're too humble or do you look back at a day like the Headingley, the Ben Stokes test and say to the boys, you just never know, we're not out of this yet? And is that something you'll now take in with this series level, just saying to them, like, you never know which way this is going to go and we need to stay on at every single minute of the next test? Yeah, I think I think the advantage I've got as a coach is that I've seen so much cricket and it's not just cricket I've played or watched as a coach but I go back to when I was a kid you know I remember the part the great partnership between Alan Border and Jeff Thompson and I mean I, I still remember it so quickly at the MCG they got so close and it's the amazing thing about test cricket it's like a big game of chess you've got to hang in there you've got to hang in there for different um, moments but yeah, that philosophy certainly, um, not just from personal experience, but just from, from watching and studying the game, uh, you just never know, honestly. I mean, whoever would have thought Ben Stokes would have played that innings last year? Who would have ever thought Ian Botham, 
I think it was in 1981, would have played those incredible innings to to get England over the line. Um, yeah, that, that's the great thing about the game, and we've got to keep reminding our players of that all the time. We know there's always so much happening on the field, but this year more than ever, the logistics and the biosecurity measures off the field are just absolutely unrivaled. How involved have you been in the meetings with interim CEO Nick Hockley around the third test, which is now set to stay at the SCG? Well, one of the things I said to the players last night, we're actually meeting at six o'clock tonight here in Melbourne, but I'd hate to be in Nick Hockley's shoes you know, we've got. We've, I honestly would. I mean, I, I learned it um, through my experience on the West Coast Eagles board. Actually, that there's so much more to the business of sport than just a game of cricket or a game of footy. There is just so many layers, and there's so many. There, in in this case, there's not only the biosecurity, but there's the um, the, the the New South Wales Trust. Um, there's the the governments. There's the um, there's the incredible costs of putting on games of cricket. So, my gosh, I mean, these guys have got to make. Imagine being the premiers of the different states. I mean, mm. that, that's what leadership's all about. I've got respect for people who have to make. There's any, anyone can have an opinion, um, and it's easy because if, if it doesn't suit your agenda, but um, but yeah, my, uh, they're huge decisions that have to be made with so many layers and so many stakeholders. And whilst we think it, oh, it should just be simple, let's just have another game at the MCG. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. And and I guess I'm in a privileged position um, in cricket to see that. And I certainly in footy with the West Coast. I'm being on the board of the Eagles, West Coast Eagles Footy Club. I get to see how complex this is, and it's great for my learning. That's for sure. Mm. So, how close did the Test match? get to being at the MCG at staying there because we all of the media storm and commentary obviously takes off very quickly and it almost sounded like it was a done deal but as you say it's not so simple as to just let's you know book the hotel for an extra week so was it perhaps not as close to staying at the MCG as people think? Well I think that you've just got to be looking for contingency plans all the time and that's where it's so complicated. I mean, you've got people, and there's the biosecurity measures. We know that throughout, um, forget sport, through the states, they're so they're so strict now. So um, there was, uh, like I say, Bonner, it's so complex. We had to find a contingency though, because if Sydney did fall over, we have. What do you do next? Do you go to? Um, do you have it in Melbourne because we're already here, and then we can go to to uh, Queensland because. Um, going to Queensland for the, fourth, for the fourth test and there's the borders. If the borders aren't open, that's going to be really tough to get to um, Brisbane for that test match. And it is going to be the strictest of quarantines for us. And for guys who have been in these bubbles for before England, like you know, I think we were back in June. Um, you remember with AJ being away, but back mm. in June, guys have been in these bubbles for so long. And now we're going to go into a really strict one in um, Brisbane there's, been, there's huge sacrifices being made, that's for sure. Does that concern you? I guess, obviously, someone like Pat Cummins has had time out of the bubble. So too David Warner with his groin injury. But obviously, somebody like Steve Smith, who went from the uh, pre-England quarantine at home to England, straight to Dubai for the IPL and straight back into the two white ball series, into the test series. Someone like him, obviously, we know that um, he gives you a look on day, uh, game day and you say... 
are you on? And he says, I'm on coach. And you say, there's no better yeah, feeling yeah. than that. And he is just yeah. struggling a bit at the moment. And he has said on the record, there's no doubt that it's all, um, there are a lot of contributing factors, whether it's been Ravi Ashwin dictating how he plays his game, um, but as well, the time in the bubble and time away from his wife. Is that a real concern to you now going into even tighter security measures? Oh, absolutely. And and the reality is, I mean, Steve Smith's a classic. I was, I'll go back a step. Pat Cummins, who we re- we gave some time out of the game, and you know, lots of people had an opinion on that, and I get it. I absolutely get. It. People say, "Well, you're resting from Australia, but you played IPL, and you've been." But I and I get it, I, and I get everyone's opinion, and that's fair enough. But it's not if that we simple. didn't, it's not again. It's not that simple because if he didn't have a rest in the T20s and that last ODI game, he literally wouldn't have been home from June until potentially next July or next mm. June or July. And that, that is craziness. In Steve Smith's case, he's going to see Danny, his wife, uh, on New Year's Eve, which is great. Danny comes into the bubble here in Melbourne. He hasn't seen his wife for five and a half months. Mm. That's Five and a half months. And the other thing which is fascinating with Steve Smith, I was speaking to him last night in the change room. In the last 12 months, the most time he's been in the middle is 64 balls. Yeah, I did. And that is, read that's that unheard of for him, you know. He had, and he had those, he's got those two hundreds in the ODIs, which were just absolutely sublime. Both, both sixty-two 64, balls, sixty-two yeah. ball hundreds, right? So, mm. and that's the most time he's spent in the middle. And he says for that in months. in the middle, that's where he finds his form, and that's where he regains his confidence and settles in and of feels course. confident, comfortable. That's where everyone does. And the other thing is, which was fascinating. When we got to the MCG for the Boxing Day test, we were we walked down to the ground and we were doing our slips catches, catching practice. And I nicked the first one to him. He took the first ball at second slip. And he looked at the ball and he looked up and he said, this is the first time I've seen a red ball in 12 months. Wow. How the game's changed. He, Steve Smith, the great Steve Smith, says this is the first time I've had a red ball in my hand in 12 months because the game before was a pink ball and the rest of the year – because of COVID and he's, all he's played is white ball cricket. That's so pretty concerning to you as a coach, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is, it is and it is. It's just the reality yeah. of what's happened in 2020, but also what we have to deal with and how we have to manage our players. Yeah, no, so many complexities this year that we haven't really faced before. Now, Jay, I'm very conscious of your time. You're so generous to us uh, here in WA, um, very Perth biased. We love that. Two quick ones before you go. Back to where the third test was going to be staged at any time at, as the proud West Aussie that you are. Did you say there's quite a nice stadium over in Perth? There's this Optus Stadium venue that we should get to. Or did you know that it was far too complex with our government's, um, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> how well, soon they put up the board? If I if I could have um, the perfect case scenario to play India, to be, we'd play every game in Perth. Yeah, and I'd love that. We would love that, um, no doubt. We've got a brilliant stadium. We've also got the the Wacker and the uh, new Optus Stadium there. You know, we've got world class facilities. But I also understand with the closed borders and the um, you know on, on one hand. I got I, I love what Mark McGowan's done because it's all my family and all my the people I love in Perth, uh, which is most West Australians to be honest, <laughs> but um, it, uh, living this life which is so different than every, most people around the world are living. So we are so lucky because of 
um, the Mark McGowan's stance on it. On the other hand, it's really frustrating because, you know, I'd love to be back in Australia, um, WA playing test cricket and playing lots of big bash cricket. But, you know, so these things are a balancing act. I, again, I would hate to be in the shoes of the Nick Ockleys and the Mark McGowans and the, the different state premiers because we're talking about people's health and health, health and livelihoods, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Now, <sighs> livelihood, Joe Burns. He obviously doesn't look that great in the middle. You guys did such a great job backing him in. He repaid the mm. faith in the second innings at Adelaide, and that was great to see him refine a bit of form, although he did look quite scratchy, but um, he found a way to grind out a few runs. Obviously, mm. there's a guy called David Warner. He's quite handy. Um, he might be fit to come back in. So too Will Pukowski. So Joe Burns sort of looks set to be on the chopping block and then is it one of Matthew Wade or Travis Head or are these all of the headaches that you've got a week to figure out? I think I slept about three hours last night, Bon, <laughs> because of that very reason. I just talked about Nick Hockley and um, and the Premier's making all these decisions. Yeah, you've so got it quite tough, tough yourself as well. It's the toughest part of the job. Yeah, that's the truth. It's the toughest part of the job because um, you, you really get to care for your players and having to deliver tough news. It's nice to deliver the nice news to tell people Cameron Green is making his test debut or, you know, people uh, that they're playing, but it's tough when you care for all your players when they, you know, you can only pick, you can only fit 11 players in and there's probably, there's I think there's 19 or 18 guys in the squad here at the moment. So, they're the complications, but that's what I get paid for to, to make these decisions. Uh, we do it with the best interests of the Australian cricket team at heart every time, and hopefully we get it wrong right more times than we get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've also learned, but I've also learned, and it's been a it's it's been very liberating for me because in the first twelve months of doing this gig, I got so stressed out about it, and now my, my starting point for Australian selection is I literally cannot win. Because if I pick someone from West Australia, I should have picked someone from Queensland. If I pick someone from Queensland, I should have picked someone from Victoria because – and everyone's got an opinion on it. It's the yeah. great thing about being involved in Australia. Everyone's got an opinion on it. They all love the Australia. They lots of people talk about it, but you can't win. You literally no. can't win. So – I stay a lot saner by having that as my starting point. Yeah, very good attitude to have. Obviously, over here, all we want is uh, Sean Marsh. So that doesn't make your job any easier, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I've known Sean since he was born. And Swampy and Michelle are two of my best friends. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, Trust me, you that's do. Another, more, more of the complexities of it. <laughs> yeah. JL, very last question. It must be super difficult, not that you have any brain capacity spare at the moment or spare time to even give this a thought, but your beloved Scorchers doing it so tough at the moment. Your successor, Adam Voge, is facing a really heavy amount of criticism over here. Um, in all of your spare time this week, have you reached out to V? Have you shared any advice with him? Or do you have any thoughts on how the Scorchers, such a proud franchise, how they can turn things around? Oh, one, they're not far off. I think they've got a very good team on, on paper. Uh, like V said, um, I think they had nine internationals in yeah. the last game they played. And, and, and the other thing I'll say, Adam Vogel is, is the right person. I mean, he's a ripper. He's a, we know he's a, been a brilliant um, leader of the Scorchers as a captain. Um, he's had a tough initiation um, as the coach of the Scorchers, but he'll be fine. And he's a, he's a very well-grounded, he's a very, very well-organised, he's a ripping human being. So he's the right person for the job. Um, but the boys have got some work to do. I think they're going to be really clear on their game plan. And, and the 
the brilliant thing is is that they have a recipe they know that works from you know from the last 10 years and they, they take the the strengths of that recipe and um, hopefully it's not too long before they turn it around absolutely Justin thank you so much for your time best of luck at the SCG hopefully it all goes to plan you get to the Gabba you continue that insane unbeaten record dating back to 1988 and um, hopefully we uh, can uh, win the Border Gavaskar trophy and take it back off India thanks so much again for your yeah, time we'll, we'll be good Bonham. we've got a really good team and uh, hopefully last week was just a little glitch after what was an amazing first test match Really interesting to get Justin Langer's thoughts there on the Scorchers. I asked Mitchell Johnson this a few weeks ago, Jordan, on how he would fix the Scorchers in inverted commas. We know they're the Big Bash's uh, most successful franchise across the 10 years, but they've had a really rough few years and the pressure has been mounting on Adam Voges, especially um, in the last week after their winless start to this season. JL obviously just saying he thinks they're not too far off and Adam Voges is definitely the right man for the job. What do you think needs to be done to fix them? I think they just need a bit of stability in their in their batting. That's the the bowling hasn't been too bad, but I'd like to I thought Cam Bancroft was a little bit stiff. I thought he uh, he's had two not outs in three innings. He made that thirty four not out in in his last game, and then he got dropped. So um, I'd like to see him back in for New Year's Eve. I think he just adds that bit of stability and mm. just doesn't throw his wicket away as well. They've got like, a lot of power hitters, don't they? Yeah, they don't really have yeah, that anchor at the other end. Um, and another I wouldn't mind seeing get a gig is, is Sam Whiteman. You know, you could provide that left-hand, right-hand combination at the, at the top of the order with, with Jason Roy and... Um, he's in great form as well. He didn't he, do much wrong in their shields. Yeah, even, yeah, exactly. Two he centuries. was making runs for fun over there, and in, in, in Adelaide as well. So he knows the conditions well, and I think he'd be uh, great at the the top of the order. But bowling wise, Jason Berendorf hasn't. Uh, he's still. Uh, he's, he's been. A, it's been a long way out. So. Um, it's hard to be too critical on him, but you know, we're quite one, used to him being very frugal, though, aren't we? Yeah, your ball and yeah, just bowl that little bit too short as well. And and when you got batters like Phil Salton and Jake Weatherold against you, they uh, they punish anything short, and especially those Adelaide Oval square boundaries as well. So I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Kelly get a gig. He hasn't got a game so far this season. He's he's reliable. He I think his economy rate's about a bit a tick over eight, but. Um, like Mark Waugh said, he's got one of the best Yorkers in the Big Bash and that's exactly what they need, bowling on a, a pitch like Adelaide Oval. Yeah, absolutely. So last question before we jump back into the test arena. Uh, Adam Voges, he's off contract with the Scorchers. This is his third year, final year. Do you extend his contract? It's a tough one, isn't it? He hasn't had the personnel the last few years. That's been the major excuse. I mean, you had no AJ Tye last year, no Berendorf last year. Um, there's, you know, guys missing out international-wise as well. They, their bowling stocks were, were really depleted, so it was hard to uh, to be too critical on, on V there, but... Yeah, I guess he's nearly got the full squad back. I think Ashton Agar's been a been a massive loss. He just provides so much with bat, ball and, and in the field as well. I think he'll certainly add a bit when he comes back in the new year. I, I'd like to see him get, you know, I, I don't want to be too critical. Just yet, yeah, like the other night's performance was 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 horrible. Let's hope it was a, it was yeah. a one-off and they can bounce back on New Year's Eve. But, yeah, the... From what Christina Matthew said on on ABC, I think it was in back February. in February. Yeah, mm. she did say questions would be asked if if it was another season without finals, be their third in a row. So after um, not uh, failing to qualify any year before that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So 
uh, it's always going to be hard taking over from someone like JL, especially yeah, he didn't issues. have a great deal of, of coaching experience leading into it. Mm. But I think, do you, th- do you think that's why the criticism has come so hard and fast after the strikers lost the other night? Because that is almost the first game that there has been no excuses. It hasn't been injuries, international duties. It was on paper probably one of the best sides they've ever put together. Maybe we've jumped a little bit too quickly going first First opportunity of everyone being available, no success, Voges is out the door. But now really is the time where he's got a few years under his belt. He's got a lot of Arsenal back with bowlers and with the team they've got on paper now, you'd think they should deliver a bit more success. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope they can turn things around. I mean, he was he was a stable middle order bad himself, so I'm sure Maybe he'd he be having Maybe he needs to come some, out of retirement. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, he's, probably, he's probably younger than Sean Marsh, so. <laughs> oh, not quite. He's 41 and Sauce is 37, but yeah, not too far apart, that's for sure. Briefly, back to the test arena. We just heard from Justin Langer earlier about his selection dilemmas and perhaps one of the batsmen under the least amount of pressure joins us now. Minus Lavashane, thanks for your time. Hey guys, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Now, a disappointing result after such a comprehensive win in Adelaide. What was the main message from the coach after the loss? Um, yeah, I, I think I think the main message is that we we play a test series for a reason, um, and and you certainly have your ups and downs within within a series. But the the main focus for us is, uh, sorry, you have your ups and downs within a game. Um, and and sometimes you know you you don't perform well in, in certain areas and you, and and you lose the game and and I think that's what happened this test but um you know our job is to win the test series and you know that's what we got to make sure we we get our turn our focus to very quickly yeah so a disappointing loss but you are Australia's top run scorer for the series you're only behind India's new captain Ajinko Rahane you've got 129 runs at an average of 32 are you happy with how you're batting or are you disappointed that you haven't been able to fully cash in yet um yeah look I'm certainly not happy with how many runs I'm scoring is probably the other the other thing um you know I always want especially you know I've I've got in, um, you know, three out of the four innings, oh, really, yeah, three out of three innings. Um, and, you know, I haven't been able to capitalise and, and put a big total on the board, which is disappointing um, from, my, from my personal side. But for me, like you said, you just got to move forward and you've got to make sure you're learning from each game and, and making sure that it, if, if that opportunity presents itself next game that, that, that you don't miss out again and you make sure you take that opportunity and put a big score on the board. Smartest, Jordan. Yeah, how are you going? Very good. Uh, just one on the the SCG test. Obviously, it's it's finally been announced that the third test will be be played there. Are you, are you pretty happy with that result, considering the last couple of results against India at the MCG? Um, look, personally, it wouldn't have concerned me at all where we played. I think, um, you know, I think that the wicket at the MCG was good. I think. Uh, they, they produced a very good game, and you know, look, I think from a batting side, we were just off a little bit, and and it cost us in certain areas, and we weren't able to um, to really wrestle the momentum back from India once we lost it um, on, on day one. Um, but for us, it's just about making sure we come out, and 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 even if we were playing at the MCG, um, nothing changes from our preparation and our thinking. Um, the wickets are probably very similar. Maybe Sydney will be a little bit drier than um, the the MCG wicket. It means you might get a few more uh, overs of leg spin in, Manus. Oh, look, currently, um, I think 
you know, with our with our great team balance we have with um, with Cameron Green and the side, um, you know, my overs have been very very minimal. So, um, and I always say it, it's a good thing for Australia if I'm not bowling because um, it means the bowling sides out. And, um, I'm not required. <laughs> we are a little bit obsessed with Cameron Green over here in WA. Have you liked what you've seen of him so far? Oh, look, there, there's not much I don't like about uh, what I see about Cameron Green. Goodness me, he's um, <laughs> the way he moves in the field. Um, you know, oh, it's it's very hard. You, you always think he's tall, he's two metres tall. He could be a bit gangly and like that, but it's it's almost completely the opposite. He's such an athlete. Um, you know, on the he, he's running so fast in the field. I think he's hitting like 35 kilometres an hour consistently running in the field. So... He's bowling 145k and he's batting. Um, you know, he's a top order batter and his batting looks class. And he's he's a great learner of the game. So, look, I've loved having him around and he's um yeah he's a great person um, first and foremost. But um, his ability um, is yeah is ridiculous. What did you make of his second innings at the MCG? He's just got such a, a cool head on his shoulders, doesn't he? We've seen it quite a bit in in the Shield. He uh, it, it almost he almost laps up the pressure, doesn't he? It's hard to believe he's uh, he's still so young. Yeah, certainly is. Um, he's like I said, he, he's very experienced for his age, and um, I think batting. I don't ever really talk about batting in in how old you are as an actual player, but. Um, it's more as, you know, how experienced you are and just your demeanour. And, and he's very, um, you know, he, he, like you just said, he's got that calm, cool. He's very clear when he's out there. He knows what he's doing. He's not rash. Um, yeah, it, it's very good to see. And what's your what's your gut feel with, with Davey Warner? Do you reckon he'll be good to go for the next test? There was a lot of vision going around of him, him batting in the nets. He looked like he was moving freely and, and running between wickets pretty well. Yeah, yeah, look, um, I saw the same footage, and yeah, look, I, I really do hope um, Davey's back because he definitely adds, um, you know, a lot of strength to our batting lineup, and um, you know, someone with uh, with seven thousand plus test runs and averaging around fifty, um, you know, you're, you're always super excited to get a player like that back, it's for sure. Now, Manus, I have to ask you about this. We've previously known Steve Smith for his extravagant, <laughs> unique traits at the crease. Everybody talks about your relationship with Steve Smith, bit of a bromance. Your leaves and commentary out in the middle in the last two tests, mostly Adelaide, have been very uh, interesting, nice and extravagant, um, even letting the ball go through to the keeper and then shouting no very loudly. <laughs> Is that a bit like when David Warner says when he's on, he'll be calling very loudly? and he almost doesn't notice he's doing it or are you doing it to uh, imitate Steve Smith and almost make fun of him or what happens with those moves that you pull out with the samurai sword? Um, no, yeah, it's certainly not to make fun of anyone. Um, yeah, it's definitely um, just sort of in the moment, you know, you're, you're trying to get yourself going and you're trying to probably create energy and, 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 and positivity at the crease, Um to get yourself in the game because obviously, you know, in, in a game you're leaving a lot of balls. Um, so, you know, if you're leaving a lot of balls, um, you can almost get in that negative mindset where when you have that bit of confidence and that bit of sort of communication when you're out there, it definitely helps you um, to – um, it definitely helps you um, 
to kind of create a bit of energy at the crease. You're sending yourself to sleep there. Now, just before we let you go, uh, just on Steve Smith. Uh, he's obviously spent a lot of time in bubbles since the Tour of England in August. A lot of you have, um, and going over to the IPL as well. He's had a bit of a lean run by his lofty standards. Um, have you had a chat to him about it at all? I know you're very good friends. Um, I'm assuming, obviously, you'll back him to bounce back. But have you spoken to him um, about where he's at and how he's going now ahead of this stricter biosecure bubble in Sydney? Um, yeah, I certainly have. And, and one thing I would say is he's a very resilient person and he's very focused and um, that's what makes him, you know, a, a test, well, it's what makes him Australia's, one of Australia's best test players ever. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, his focus will be on scoring runs. I don't think any of these other circumstances will, will be on his mind. I certainly think it would be, uh, you know, it his focus will be 100% to, to go out there next test and, and, and get a big one for Australia. Um, and, oh, look, his record tells you that, um, you know, big scores very close around the corner. Um, you know, I, I, I heard something that, that, that said um, the other day, when Steve Smith gets to 17 runs, he averages over 100 and something. So um, certainly if he gets to 17, enjoy. <laughs> I like it. You heard it first. <laughs> and Marta, so I've just got one more left field one before I let you go. One of my favourite videos this summer is you bowling some seamers in, in uh, Queensland club cricket and the celebration when, when you got the wicket. How often do you bowl seamers? I didn't even know you uh, you bowled seamers at all until I saw that video. Um, yeah, look, uh, I, I regularly sort of roll out seamers in, in club cricket just depending on the, the conditions of the day and, 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 and the opposition, um, I've bowled it a little bit in shield cricket um, before. Um, and, yeah, I, look, I, I bowled seamers when I was a young, uh, when I was uh, younger, and, and I love bowling seam. I, I really do. It's um, something that I find a lot of enjoyment out of. And, um, yeah, so, look, like I said, currently Cameron Green uh, is probably taking my seam over, so I don't think they're going to want uh, – a few 120s um, when you've got someone that's following <laughs> yeah, he's, hey. got, he's got a few Ks on you, I reckon. Don't rule yourself out. You never <laughs> yeah. know. Soon you might be <laughs> leapfrogging Cam Green in the seam ranks. I, I, Manus, unless, it's 2020. Anything can happen. <laughs> unless I uh, grow um, another half a metre, then, yep. Well, you never know. But hopefully uh, Australia can look to bounce back in the third test match at the SED SCG before going to the happy hunting ground at the Gabba with that insane record dating back to 1988. Thanks so much for joining us, Manus Labuschagne, and best of luck for the rest of the series. Thanks, Manus. Thank you very much, guys. Manus Labuschagne there, the fourth-ranked test batsman in the world. Now, Jordan, time to hop back to the Big Bash. I want to make the most of my Pick 11 team with our Tab Touch Locks of the Week. Did you see Daniel Hughes match winning 96 on Boxing Day for the Sixers against the Stars? Yeah, that was unreal. I I honestly didn't think he had it in him. I, I've seen him, you know, he, he doesn't 
really strike me as a power hitter, but wow, mm. that was that was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he even said after the match he wasn't sure that he had it in himself. So no wonder other people didn't quite know either. He's really relishing the opportunity to step up into the captaincy in Moses Enrique's absence. So hopefully a couple of people had them in his, their pick 11 team as captain to score a few extra points. I was also pretty impressed by Alex Hales. He's 71 off 29 rocks last night as the Sydney Thunder posted 219 against the Stars. So poor Stars, they've had a, v- a few rough games in the last couple. I, uh, I was watching the wrong game, unfortunately. I had the Renegades on and, and missed the Alex Hales fireworks, unfortunately. Uh, he, uh, he lost a couple of balls, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to get a few few new ones out over onto the roof. Um, why are we watching the Renegades? Is there a vested interest for your pick 11 team? Yes. Ah. Uh, that man is, is Sean Marsh. Yeah, he's, he's a lock. I haven't heard much of him. <laughs> Only for he's 20 a, years. He's a young uh, up-and-coming oh, okay. up player. Yeah. Oh, You've heard how a lot good. about Green and Ollie Davies. And yeah, this Sean Marsh kid's going to be all right. To I be reckon. fair, he is getting better and better over the last year or two. He's like a fine wine, yep. isn't he? He's got a bit of Brad Hogg about him, just keeps getting better with age. So. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, huge fan of Marsh. I reckon he would be my pick 11 lock this week. I think he's the Rene- good... Rene- Renegades double up as well this week, so double the opportunities there. He's coming off his high score as a Renegade, 67 off about, I think, 47 balls. So, yeah, he's he's found form after a quietish kind of start to the season. I think he's going to turn things around. Beauty. Well, for me, um, the one I want to watch is John O'Wells, someone we're very familiar with from his stint here with WA. We've seen how incredible he's been for the strikers over the past couple of seasons with his finishing knocks. He comes in in the 15th or 16th over and is so damaging the way he can strike at around 180. Um, So far this season, he's returned scores of 0, 8, 36 not out, 31 and 7. So by his standards, he hasn't really fired. He had quite a few 50s um, and unbeaten 40s last year. So I reckon he's about to, you know, with a couple of 30s, he's nearly there. I reckon he's about to hit a purple patch. Hopefully not too soon given the strikers. Next game is against the Scorchers. And as we have well and truly covered on this podcast, the Scorchers are in need of a couple of points on the board. Um, But I reckon he'd be one to get in your team in, in the near future. The sad thing about that is I think Wells would nearly be leading the Scorchers' run scoring with those scores. I think Ashton Turner is right now with about 88 or something like that. So that yeah. just shows how well the Scorchers' batting is going right now. Hopefully they can turn it around New Year's Eve. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for making your debut. It's nearly time for us to wrap up. But what I normally do with Mitch is I see if he's got a bit of a peach to leave us on, um, putting you on the spot a little bit here. But do you have something? It can be a bit of a prediction. It can be a thought, an opinion, anything to leave us on. I'm leaving myself open to some uh, some Twitter abuse here, but That's I think the Scorchers will win their first game of the season on on New Year's Eve and turn things around before their sort of home home stretch starting January three. I feel like they're uh, they're there with the ball, but yeah, I think. Uh, I think they'll turn things around. Hopefully a bit of success on New Year's Eve. Hopefully a good birthday for you on New Year's Eve. Happy birthday. And thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Bonnie. We've been brought to you by Tab Touch today. Make the most of summer. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back for more Fast and Curious action next week. You've been listening to The Fast and the Curious with Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner. Subscribe for weekly pods over the summer of cricket and remember to send in your questions to Mitch before the next episode.